Welcome to the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. We highlight keen investment insights and strategies so you can become a real estate mogul. Here's your host, Yannick Kujo Virgil. All right, guys, welcome back to the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Yannick Kujo Virgil, and I'm very excited for our guest today. Our guest today is Anthony Casey. Now, Anthony Casey is a real estate developer based in Milwaukee that specializes in tax credits for development projects. He has an extensive background in construction science management, and his company oversees the entire development process from acquisition and due diligence to completion. So Anthony knows how to leverage relationships with architects, engineers, government agencies, financial institutions, resulting in successful development and construction experiences. Anthony, thanks for being on the show. Man, thank you so much for having me, man. Really uh, glad to be here today. And even just, you know, kicking it with you and then just educating some folks about, you know, tax credits. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. So give us a little insight about Anthony, you know, your story, who you are, how'd you get to where you are today? Oh, thank you, uh, Yannick, for that. Thank you for the opportunity to, you know, to discuss this today. Just quickly, I was born and raised here out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And man, honestly, like, you know, 20 years ago, man, uh, I thought I was going in a different direction. And I was going down like the wrong path. By the age 16, uh, almost ended up in prison, you know, for 20 years. And I kind of thought that was my faith, you know, at the time. And couldn't find out, you know, God had a different plan for me, right? Sometimes you never know, like, you know, what, what the plan is, right? Or you, or you try to change the plan that God already has your story written for you, you know? But you know, luckily from that, you know, I was able to uh, get a, be a part of the Running Rebels organization program that's here based in Milwaukee. They're a court order program or a partner to the court, and they basically almost consider like a get out of jail free ticket program as long as you complete one year, you know, program with them. You know, you just attend group meetings every Wednesday and Thursday, you check in with your monitor every day, but... That organization was the first organization to really inspire me to, you know, do something other than being in the, you know, streets, right, or gang life. And start talking to me about, you know, college, you know, my future, uh, what I want to do. And you guys really inspired me to, you know, do something positive and see black people doing stuff positive in the community. So between the Running Rebels, really just the Running Rebels program and just the opportunity God gave me to for a second chance, really projected everything or put me on a different trajectory in my life. So I went to college at 18, studied construction science and management. You know, I graduated in 2011, worked in the construction industry for about seven years as a cost estimator and a project engineer, and uh, got into development around 2017. And it's crazy because everything from just learning from, let's say, even just from high school, you know, I studied construction in high school, and even just, you know, what was going on in my neighborhood. It's like, it's crazy how all this is really having an impact now. You know, and how to deal with people, right? Because even like you, you running in the streets, you know, you're still dealing with people, right? And I think all that really helped who we're becoming today, and and how to deal with tough situations, how to have conversations with tough situations or uncomfortable conversations, and then just the professional side of schooling has really helped a lot. I think really excel who we are becoming today. Mm-hmm. That's a really powerful background. How you were able to change your trajectory in your life, right? I think sometimes things happen in life that shape who we are as people today. And things happen where we're not necessarily proud of it, but you know that's who we are. That's the fabric of who we are as people and how we're able to mold ourselves to be the successful people or investors today. So how did you get into the tax credit space? Because a lot of people, if they're interested in development for the most part, I would think that there is more developers that are on the market rate side out there in the environment today in the real estate space versus tax credits. Like, how did you get into the tax credit space? 
Thank you. No, you're definitely right. You know, I think a lot of people just sometimes just know just about the traditional just debt and equity. And it's not too many really different funding vehicles out here to financially development, you know, other than really just you know, debt and equity or using some form of debt and tax credits or other grant subsidies to really, you know, fill your capital stack. Honestly, I never thought about real estate. You know, I thought, you know, I just do construction the rest of my life or at some point start a construction company and just focus there. I didn't forget I had another mentor named by a guy named Robert Wynn. He's real big on stocks, right? You know, I actually used to volunteer with his his millionaire youth program, I think it was like every other Sunday in Madison, Wisconsin, and just you know, trying to educate the youth about financial literacy, and which was so important. But uh, he always thought I should have got into development. And I had a few other people say the same thing, like, you know, construction and development really go hand in hand, but never really thought about it. It went in one ear and out the other. But what really changed things that really got me thinking about just real estate in general is I had a conversation with my grandmother one day, maybe back in 2015. And all my three sisters are adopted. One of them, like, 16, now just turned 16. The other one, like, 11, going on 12. Another one just turned, or would be nine this year, maybe 10. No, actually, it would be 10. Wow. So back in 2015, you know, we discussed, like, hey, you know, if something happened to your mom, you know, you're responsible for your sisters. And I assumed that maybe they probably went back, you know, to the system, if you will, or the state, and they realized I was next in line. So, like, man, at the time, you know, I was kind of all over the place with my finances. Really wasn't, you know, I mean, you think about your future, but you really didn't have a plan. But at that point, it really changed. It got me thinking, like, man, like, if I got to take care of these, you know, little girls, like, man, I need to start, you know, changing some more spending habits, thinking about creating wealth, not just relying on that one income, right? You know, everybody goes to, the first thing you go to is flipping houses, right, and rental properties, you know. And uh, so I just started really educating myself around just buying and rehabbing properties and selling them and got into doing that right away, just through some uh, investors I knew. I kind of pitched like, hey, you know, I'm in construction around I'm doing this already, you know. <laughs> so I definitely can rehab these houses and kind of start off, you know, really just, you know, doing, you know, doing just fix and flip, selling them to first-time home buyers. And, you know, everybody can tell me, man, yeah, you need to get into development, get into development, get into development. So really wasn't still educating myself around development until I went through the ACRE program. It's a program here in Milwaukee, Associates, Commercials, and Real Estate. I've been around maybe since 2004, and it's ran by a local initial support corporation, LISC, and then the universities around the state, you know, or the city partner like Marquette University, UW-Milwaukee, uh, and Milwaukee School of Engineering partner to provide the classes. And then you have like other developers that come in and, you know, kind of get their experiences and uh, city of Milwaukee, you know, professionals as well uh, come in and provide, you know, just kind of some of their feedback on just, you know, just the overall process and you know, how to work with government officials and things of that nature. But anyway, took that program actually back in like 2017. And it was crazy, like where, how much... That made me even more into like want to get into development and how much that we already knew just from even doing like the fix flips. A lot of that stuff really cross over, right? We had just a little bit more line items, but there's a lot of similarities. So going through the program, we started to like, you know, wow, I think we, we can actually do this. You know, I so said we got the construction side down packed and we know some of the financing already. But then it really hit home when a guy by the name of Matt Melendez at the time was uh, working for a developer. And he did his own development back in the day with a partner, actually taught me the tax credit program. Like the anchor program, it teaches nothing, anything about tax credits. You know, they were really trying to keep us around like two, three million dollar deals, really just doing debt and equity deals, maybe buying existing assets. This guy, Matt, really starts teaching me about the low-income housing tax credits, which is a tool used to develop affordable housing and been around since 1986. You know, it definitely has become more complicated over the years, you know, ever since this session, of course. But that was really my first insight into uh, low-income housing tax credits. And it really started from, because I had a site in mind that, you know, even going through the program, like, hey, Matt, this might be a site that we can, you know, I want to develop. You know, and I knew I wanted to do like affordable housing, but really didn't know like all the ins and outs. And he started going through what is, you know, with me after, you know, work for like an hour or two. He started to really take us through the 
process of tax credits. And but from there, you know, you you got to be one to you know go back and look back through it as well and ask your questions, see what you don't understand. And you know, next thing you know, like we are here really pursuing tax credit deals. <laughs> you know, so just quickly too, like you know, there's different forms of tax credits too. So you had a low income housing, you had a historical tax credits, and then you had a new market tax credits. And I'm sure there's other forms of tax credits out there, but those kind of are the three main ones that you see that's kind of used to develop, you know, affordable housing. You might see new markets more so on a, I mean, it can be used for affordable housing too or a market rate, you know, it's really a commercial credit, but it allows you to include your residential component underneath the tax credit as well, new market tax credit as well. But we play in all three spaces, but mainly, you know, try to focus on that low-income housing and historical. And then we have like a, a huge impact on the first floor. Definitely want to bring in a new market tax credit play. Yeah. So for our listeners today who are interested in tax credit development, Litech, what can you break down what tax credits are in the affordable housing space and why would the government give out tax credits to spur investment? Definitely. That's a great question. So the tax credits was developed in 1986. Before then, there's really not a tool to really develop affordable housing because right, the bank only going to borrow you as much money as the property produces in income. You know, and with affordable housing, right, it's really all about, this is Section 42 of the IRS code. It's really all about, you know, for people to, you know, pay only about 30% of their income on rent, right? So uh, nobody pays more than 30% anywhere from, you know, where they have anywhere from 30% of the county median income to, you know, up, over us to 60% and always pay 30% of their income on rent. So anyway, this program, government created this program where, you know, you attain these tax credits from your housing agency in your state. So somebody in everybody's state allocates these tax credits, specifically low-income housing. You got somebody who might allocate the historical, somebody who might allocate the new market. But the housing agency you know, allocates the low-income housing tax credits. It's basically, you know, a yearly competition. You have something like that's where it's not really a competition. Like they call that the 4%, you know, non-federal, which we'll get into that, or the non-compete. But really, these credits are given on an annual basis. And these credits are are given to the developer and then return. The developers sell them to like, you know, either syndicators who pretty much acting as the middleman or, you know, or sell directly to the hospitals or the big banks and insurance companies. And that's how you develop the equity needed in order to help move these deals forward. You know, so let's say, you know, if you've got a $10 million deal, you're probably only really generating about, you know, maybe two, two and a half million dollars in debt, right? And so where's the rest of that seven, eight million coming from? And the thought is the tax credit pays for that difference. And, you know, every state is different, but in theory, it really provides about 70% of the actual cost. But, you know, then you got to reduce it. Every state is different. You know, some, you know, make you reduce it to 53%, 60%. But regardless, the tax credit is paying for a majority of that development cost. And then you might have some other grants in there that helps to fill the rest of that remaining balance. But yeah, but without the tax credits, it's almost, long-income housing tax credits, it's almost impossible to develop affordable yeah. housing. Yeah, yeah. So the goal of tax credits is to obviously facilitate the development in areas that are not receiving that activity, where property value is below replacement cost, right? And the, the government is giving you these tax credits where you can go out there and find money where you can sell the tax credits for maybe 90 cents on a dollar or however the market rate is to go out and find that equity to bridge the gap on properties that have that certain equity gap because it costs money to, to do development, right? And when you have a piece of land or a piece of dirt in an area that does not make sense economically, these tax credits are now the gap to bridge the gap right? Between the what it costs to build versus what the bank is willing to lend because they're in the business of protecting their money. Somehow that gap needs to be filled and that 
And so that in that gap, now you have that tax credit money, which someone invests in your pro- in your project, and now they're able to get the tax credits to write off, let's say, that business, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. And like in Wisconsin, like these tax credits pay for about 53%. Like I said, in theory, we pay for 70% of the cost. You know, let's say the state can make you reduce it. So in Wisconsin, it pays for 53% of the development cost. You figure you get another 20, 25% from the bank. And then from there, the rest of it is just, you know, through other grants. It could be like home funds, which is federal allocation, trust funds. You know, some states do a tax abatement or a TIF, tax increment financing to you know, help fill those gaps. And then you got this federal homeland bank. We got one Chicago, like San Francisco, Texas, Indiana, maybe somewhere else too, I'm forgetting. But, you know, these are other grants that's used to fill the rest of the capital stack. Sometimes you don't need it, sometimes you do. It's just, you know, every project is different. You know, every, you know, part, you know, every, uh, you know, you might have some other, you know, money in there as well. But uh, yeah, it's a lot of, you know, grants out there used to really fill these, these capital stacks. And they definitely need it. Yeah. Yeah. So on the topic of financing, you know, tax credit deals and development, you have your own real estate project, right? You have the capital stack, you have the debt, typically is debt and equity. But in the case of the tax credit world that you're playing in, you have probably have debt at the bottom, and then you have maybe about five to 10 different sources to fill that gap, right? Like, how do you actually go out there and like find these sources? You know, are they listed online to build that capital stack and tax credit development? Like, how do you finance tax credit opportunities in today's environment when you need those, you know, that, that equity? Yeah, you're definitely right. It does take, like Wisconsin, man, it can take anywhere from seven to sometimes 10 sources to make these deals happen. Some other states, it could be less. Some other states, it could be more. It just really depends on, honestly, how the housing agency really, you know, allocates their tax credits in terms of, you know, if they make you reduce them or not. But let's say if I was a new developer looking, like, going into a state, like, let's say I want to come to Wisconsin, start the development, a development. The first person I'm, I'm going to contact with, a couple people I'm going to contact with is the people who allocate the tax credits. Like, in Wisconsin, there's WIDA, the Wisconsin Housing Economic Development Association, because they also have grant money as well that can be... These housing agencies who allocate the tax credits also have grant money separate from the city. So I would always get in contact with the housing agency to discuss you know, who I am, you know, learn more about them, their process, and what other resources in addition to the tax credits do they have to fill these gaps. Because they might have their own house and trust funds or they might have their own vouchers to help, you know, so you can increase your rent levels to borrow more debt, right? Then next person I'm going to contact with is the municipality who I'm looking to develop in because they understand what resources they have. Like, do they have deferred loans? Can they provide a tax abatement or can they provide some type of, you know, tax incremental financing, which is pretty much just whatever your property generates over the course of 20 years and taxes, you know, you can borrow that into your project and they return your taxes so you can, you can pay that off to the uh, bank. You know, they're going to talk about the home funds, the trust funds, or they might direct you to the community or the community development block grant offices, which in Wisconsin, you know, they allocate the home funds and the trust funds. So those are always people you always want to get in contact with is your housing agency, your city, you know, municipality to determine uh, what funds they have available, you know, for housing and to get in contact with your foundations around the state that that are investing in affordable housing because they can provide either, you know, no cost, you know, interest loans or like, you know, 1%, you know, or just grant money or forgivable loans. So, no, there are also three folks, you know, you want to talk to, you know, out the gate. And then from there, continue to talk to other people that's, you know, out there, different businesses that may have some type of, some type of investment bone, if you will, for affordable housing. So you can, you know, help fill these capital stacks. So in the world of tax credit, it seems like you have to really be creative. You really have to be a go-getter and be creative on your capital stack sources, right? Because you have six, maybe seven, eight. I mean, I used to work for a real estate private equity firm and we've, we did affordable housing deals. You know, I wasn't on the acquisition side, but I knew from just being in the meetings that it's a lot of work putting these deals together. And it can be very difficult going through, you know, all of the paperwork 
aspects that goes into just putting these tax credit deals together and then just the funding sources as well. Right. Because you're constantly on the search for money. Right. I've heard you. Speak, I've heard you. I've heard you say that before on Clubhouse. You know, I'm always looking for money. Oh, and the challenge as to why people struggle with breaking into the development is from an equity standpoint and a net worth standpoint. You know, is that why you kind of chose the tax credit space of how you got into this real estate development space? You know what? You're definitely right. Like, actually just, you know, proposed our first market rate deal, but we lost. <laughs> we came in second place. It was good. Uh, yeah, the initial thought was when we get into this where the money is already there for the affordable housing, where from the market rate side, you know, like I said, we had either had to go out there and generate the equity ourselves, you know, from just private individuals or pension funds or whatever the case may be, versus where uh, the affordable housing side, the funding is already there at the state and the federal level. And you just have to go get it, right? Pretty much, uh, if you will better you know word and uh and like just realistically for us you know i don't know how to have let's say you know if you gotta do a 20 million dollar market right there you know you probably need about three or four million five million in equity to do that and you know at the time really just to know where do i go get this from or who do i talk to you know to raise this type of money and stuff like that and we're on affordable housing side like i said money already is there and you know you just have to be able to you know just you know read through you know just you know and start to understand the process understand how to calculate everything and so that was more of a uh, even though tax deals are more difficult to do than the market rate but it still was a learning curve right you know you gotta learn you know first the lingo what is what you know how you do what what is eligible what is not eligible and things like that you can really learn learn that from just other you know more experienced developers who've been doing this but so for us it seemed like it was more of a uh from an equity standpoint if you will it was a little bit more uh, attractive to us where we didn't have to come to the table with our own equity now i mean you do need some capital to write i mean just pre-development costs right you know you might spend a hundred thousand k you know just to get from here's my concept to here's construction so you know you need to have at least access to that you know but you get that access to a pre-development loan or something like that and especially once you have the tax credits in, in hand everything open up <laughs> like everybody want to get yeah. money. so that was just a little bit easier for us to but say we do want to get into some market rate deals as well that's just as important as affordable housing as well which is a little bit easier for us to get into from monetary standpoint or equity standpoint to get into affordable housing yeah and plus back i gotta add this too and then not only that my business partner another reason why too we already been doing supportive housing you know, but this was prior to getting into development. So, you know, we provide sort of housing for people who might be experiencing like, you know, intellectual development disabilities or chronic disease. So we was already like in that space and then we just found out we can do it on a larger scale. If you're interested in passively investing in high quality real estate opportunities, then join our investor group at Merlin, M-E-R-L-Y-N-N acquisitions.com slash invest for direct access to carefully vetted real estate opportunities or head over to the show notes and click the link to join. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, that's really good stuff. I think utilizing the development strategies specifically as related to tax credits is a great opportunity to get into a real estate development because like you said, I mean, there are funds out there that they're going to give you the funds to invest in or develop these projects in these neighborhoods that might be blighted or might need the housing that they're looking for. And I think a lot of the the struggles with getting into development is, you know, number one, the money, and then number two, the experience, right? Development is is a capital intensive game. And, you know, if you don't know what you're getting into, you're seriously going to get hurt. And so you definitely have to have that expertise. And I would imagine that you have a really good team that you're surrounded with, right? What does your team look like for, for a tax credit development? 
Man, no, you're definitely right, man. Like, we're, that's something I think we have to learn, too. We don't have to be the expert in every single thing, but at least just know enough to be dangerous and then surround yourself with all the experts. So, you know, you always want to have your design team, right? Your architects, your structurals, your civil, environmental. You can have your tax credit consultant. So, that could be some type of accounting firm that you want to over, you know, double check, triple check your numbers. You know, you're always going to have, right, legal on your team as well, just, you know, protect you. I mean, you know, you think about the municipality as a partner. Your house agency is a partner in this. We like the tax credits. And then I think a lot of times people forget the residents, the neighborhood that you're developing in is also really a part of that overall spectrum. And sometimes I think... Now, how, you know, how important is that when going out and putting your bids out, you know, that's the most a competitive important thing. space, like a 9%? Yes, you know, and that's the most important thing, you know, when you put together your team, make sure you have all the... You know, people have your best interests in mind. You know, they understand the concept. And then, too, between all that, make sure you got the community support behind you. Because not only that you can show that to the city. Well, first off, that you know that you did the right thing, right, that you engaged. Because sometimes the community never knows that what's going on in their backyard until they see it on the news or they see it under construction. Versus, you know, we like to kind of pride ourselves as the intentional developers. And we like to get the community involved ASAP. Like, hey, this is what we're seeking to post. Can we have your you know, letter of support? Or you know, can you fill out this form here to show that we have your support? Not only that we can include it with the other person in the city, but then so the house agency, like, hey, we're being intentional here. This is what the community want in their community. And then I was that we share that with the rest of the team as well to show that we already had a community support. And not just that too, like, you know, the community come out on you. That's a quick way to get your projects shut down. You know, they yeah. can make that call quick to the order. Then you know the order going to side with the community always. Yeah. Sometimes that get lost in our overall, you know, kind of spectrum of development, if you will, in terms of who are the players that's needed to really make a, to bring a concept to fruition, man. You got to have a community support. Because we got a community support with you. That really opens up the floodgates to everything else. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Again, when I've worked for different, you know, private equity shops, it was a lot of kissing babies <laughs> and going out there and shaking hands and meeting people. I mean, what is it called? NIMBY, right? Not in my backyard. And when those folks show up, it's probably a up. bad thing for you, you know? <laughs> so if someone is trying to start off in the tax credit space and they're really interested in getting into development, why is it important to, I know about the, the QAP, Right. Why is it important to start looking at that document to figure out how to maneuver in the tax credit space? And then also, you know, what courses can people take to get into tax credit real estate development? Definitely a great question. And, and that QAP is like literally is like the Bible to the tax credits. You know, the qualified allocation plan, you know, every state has one. It's usually uh, updated every two years, but they can make updates like, you know, within the two years as well. You know, depending on what's going on in the market. Right. They might make an update. You know, just change whatever. But, you know, the QAP really outlines the mission, affordable housing, the rules and regulations around how to, to get these tax credits. It talks about the different set aside. So you might have like a general set aside application. You might have a nonprofit set aside, a preservation set aside, a permanent supportive housing set aside, you know, a mixed income set aside, rent to own set aside. So it talks about the different, you know, structures of set aside, how much of the tax credit allocation is set aside for each of those set asides. You know, what are the due dates? You know, what are the requirements? So you definitely want to read through that. And some states are longer than others. Like some states, like Wisconsin, I think it's like 38 pages. Some states are 150 pages. Some states are 20 pages, you know. But that is really the key to understanding, you know, how to apply, when to apply, and the requirements to apply. And sometimes, a lot of times, how they you might have webinars or workshops going on to give you an overview of the tax credits or you know how to do the calculation, things of that nature. But you also have other organizations out here who teach the tax credits. So like we went through like National Development Council. I think they're one of the best. Another credit has some as well too. 
but they teach the you know, tax credits, you know, uh, how to structure them, you know, what are they, you know, how to do mixed use developments with tax credits. They also, you know, discuss new markets and historical. So that, that's National Development Council. And what's so cool about them right now, you can do this stuff online. Like before the pandemic, you had to travel to their headquarters, hotel, you know, that stuff can add up, right? You know, if you're a new developer or just the cost of the plane, hotel, the cost of the class. Nova Credit also has a program as well that teaches the same thing. You have Urbanland Institute who teaches low-income housing tax credits. We actually just finished the program through Urbanland Institute. That's one thing too, like, you know, you should always be learning as well. So we always seeking, once we're done with one certification, man, what's the next one? You know, uh, whether it's, you know, tax credits, just finance, development, uh, property management, construction, whatever, you know, it's always should be best in, you know, within your research and development, right? You know, department of your company. But they also had this program or this organization that's like in every state called NIAP. Uh, it used to be for like industrial folks, but it stands for National Association Industrial Office and Professionals. But it's not just everybody, like, you know, just housing developers and you know, all that type of stuff, hotel folks, whatever. They provide resources in terms of as well, educational resources, like for basic development, advanced development, basic finance, uh, advanced finance. So I just think those are just four certifications people can get right away and start to, you know, just get used to the lingo, the different type of methods to do development. And there's so much more out there as well. Like, you know, I just seen something Harvard the other day had something like a three day, you know, workshop for affordable housing, like for 1800 bucks. You know, uh, we think about just taking that just to say Harvard. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but it's always something out there, though. But I think like National Development Council, then what's crazy, like when we took National Development Council, you see a lot of like city professionals and other developers like in those same classes with you. So like a lot of developers are seeing like their development managers through that program or the city was seeing like their city staff through that program. And so uh, it's really just a great time to network with people around the different states. Like I have some class people from like Seattle, California, the East Coast, down South, you know, Midwest, all over. And it's just other ways just to learn from other people and create that network. Because again, like you mentioned earlier, this business is really just all about your network. Yeah. And relationships, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. For people who are getting into or who would like to get into the tax credit space, you know, I took a course from National Development Council, and it was very intensive. It, there's a lot of math when it comes to, you know, analyzing tax credits, you know, how much tax credits that you can get for a specific development deal, what types of tax credits that you can put on specific development deals, you know, whether they're going to apply to acquisition or just to construction. There's a lot of red tape and, and just deep, weedy knowledge that you have to know to get into the tax credit space, but it's definitely doable. I mean, you're a living testament, right? From a guy that started off in real estate, flipping houses, and now you're doing big construction projects. It's doable. You know, it's it's a lot of work. If you're trying to get into the development space, I think tax credit development is a great way to leverage different resources out there to not only make some good money, but then also, you know, benefit the community as well. But on the topic of of profitability and making money in real estate development, specifically tax credits, how do you get paid in the world of tax credits? You know, how can you increase your net worth from real estate development through, yeah, tax credits? It could be a win-win situation, right? We're providing a a need to the community, but, you know, also you want, you want to be profitable as well, right? So typically with these tax credits deals, you know, you might see anywhere upwards of 20% of the total construction cost be part of your developer fee. Or like in Wisconsin, you know, they would call it like 21000 a unit if you're doing the 9%. 
if you're doing a four percent, you can really go up to forty thousand a unit, but nobody never goes that high. You might sit around maybe twenty five, twenty eight thousand. Because again, you know, the, the more money you seek to make, the bigger your gap. Then you know you got to figure out how to close that gap. But simply, you know, you see somewhere maybe like say around twenty one thousand a unit, and upwards of twenty eight thousand a unit if you're doing a four percent deal. But just across the country, you know, you're gonna see somewhere around like that fifteen to twenty percent is usually the typical, you know, percentage for a developer fee. So, you know, if you're doing a, you got a $10 million construction cost, you know, you, you know, 15% right there is what 1.5 million is your developer fee. And that's usually paid over the course of three schedules, if you will. Like, you know, you're going like to see installments. Installments. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, three installments. It's all negotiable too. But you know, typically you might see 25%, you know, upfront, another 25% when you're done with construction, and then 50% when you convert over from your pine or from your construction to your pine. And it's all it's all really a risk game too. So, you know, tax credit investors are, you know, your, your, your developer fee is really paid through the tax credit investor. And it's just really a way to protect their risk as well. Like they only give you all your money and you ain't got a building yeah. bill, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. You might run off on the plug, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, no, uh, seriously. Yeah, and then cash flow, right? You know, I mean, you know, these deals are really ain't meant to like, you know, you like see huge cash flows like you might see on the market, right? Because again, you provide that low rent, but then the day, you know, it still is cash flow. And you know, I just think once you, you know got a few of them, this stuff starts to add up like market rate deal. You know, you got four or five, six of these buildings, got all this cash flow coming in now, and again, those developer fees. But but the thought is where your money is made in the developer fees because of the upfront work that it takes. Like these deals can take man anywhere. Like you man can take anywhere from a year to two years just to even get to construction. By the time you really occupied, you know, that's a whole three-year process. Just go from concept three years later, now you're occupied. You know, so you definitely want to be sometimes I see people like, man, your developer fee is way too much. Like, but you know, man, hey, this is a three-year fee. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a lot of work in, in, in acquisitions and, no and money putting in all the deals together. Yeah. It's a lot of work in acquisitions and putting these deals together and doing doing the due diligence and hiring the contractors and getting the architects, value engineering, and it's just a whole bunch of deals. But you you do have some people that are watching others' pockets and people who are who are not in the real estate space looking in and saying, Oh, why are you getting paid so much? Well, because I'm up, I'm working like 80 hours a week to get these deals done. And and the risk. It takes time to yeah, exactly. And it takes so time construction to... Guarantees. You got construction guarantees. You have the operation guarantees. You know, and thought is like, them developer fees really become a part of your... Let's say if you outrun your contingency, you have 500000 set aside for contingency and you overspend that. Where do you think that next money come from? If you hundred, two, dollars 300000 that comes out that developer fee. You know, so I don't think sometimes people don't realize why the fees have to be so high. It's also like, it ain't just about making money, but it's also about reducing that risk as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And development is is the riskiest of them all. Taking a piece of dirt and, and and turning it into a building. Have you been able to utilize when you first started in real estate development? Have you been able to leverage other developers to get into the game and leveraging? You mentioned the operational guarantee, the you know completion guarantee, all of that stuff. All these guarantees, right? It's it's hard to get into real estate development because you have to have again the knowledge and the capital. So, were you able to leverage other developers? to get into the space, you know, leveraging their balance sheets and their expertise to, to get started in this space? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So our first two projects, we partnered with a, uh, another minority organization, Black Owned, and they accepted our guarantees. And then we partnered with another firm, you know, they operate like in three states, and they accepted our guarantees. So, you know, we came with them with the project. We we knew you know, what we were doing in terms of, I mean, you know, like I said, enough to just be dangerous, right? And understand like, hey, what we're getting into, understand the process, understand what needs to, you know, happen from kind of now to get to construction, if you will, but just to really have that balance sheet in order to satisfy 
the equity provider or the bank, because usually, you know, they want you to have one million liquid, five million net worth. You know, we didn't have that, you know, when we was first coming in. So I said, find some companies who believed in us and want to see us become, you know, a, a developer. So they really helped us with the balance sheets. And so now, you know, going forward, we're, you know, we have a couple of the deals that we, we have two deals right now that we're not partnering around that currently under construction, but we know we don't have a, a partner with those. But then we have like maybe two other deals that we actually have partners on. And then we're 50-50 partners, but it was, it was those first two organizations, General Capital Group and uh, Martin Luther King Economic Development Corporation, who really took that chance with us and partnered with us and was able to... Uh, to secure the first two deals together. And, and it was just so instrumental working with these two firms who've been doing this stuff for 30 years. And so yeah. you just learn. So the stuff you didn't even realize that, you know, that, you know, you learn just even just through how they move or how they, how they systems are in terms of how they, you know, execute who's doing what, just their whole approach. You know, we were just so proud to be a part of that and grateful. And not just one of those developers, just, we just sent back and going for the ride. Like, no, we got, I'm, I'm in everything. You know, I'm in all the construction costs, the architect costs, the finance costs, city costs, because that's where you actually learn. You know, it's one thing reading the books and going through different certifications, but then when you're actually doing it, we got to be able to make sure you are at the scene, if you will, and, and taking, you know, what you learn from a, the book side and marrying that with what you're really learning in reality at the same time, man. Man, if you can do both of those uh, and really be intentional about it, man, it starts to just really open up your mind that much more and just become that more more knowledgeable about, you know, the, the career you, you have chosen. Yeah. yeah, that's really, really good stuff. So talk about one of your projects that you're working on, you know, go through that kind of process from side acquisition to, you know, putting these these deals together and, and you know, I'd love to hear some numbers on types of deals that you're working on. Yeah. So yeah, our first project coming under construction right now is a 55 unit with 7,500 commercial, you know, space. And we won that project actually back in 2020, maybe January 2020 through a request for a proposal. We submitted like around October 2019. That was our first project. We went out there on a development tip, and we actually won that January 2020. And so then we got tax credits on our project in 2021. And, and we probably could have been in construction sooner if it wasn't for, you know, the pandemic and increased construction costs. But we're pretty excited about that project as well. So that's the one we're partnering with MLK EDC on. It's about total cost about $16.6 million. So, so it's currently under construction. You know, these things take about 12 to 14 months to build. So, man, just to go through, and, and that process is even longer because we got to go through a request for proposal with the city that just adds to the timeline versus if we find like a private site or maybe even just a city site that's just sitting, that process is a little bit quicker because, you know, you're not waiting to, you know, the RP might be open for three months before you can submit, then, then they might take another three, four months just to respond to you. So right there, you know, that's seven months, you just waiting, yeah. you know, but typically, you know, these deals really take for like, you know, two years to really get from, let's say, concept to, to construction. Or like, for prime example, like, so like, I'm not kind of jumping around, but let's say like you're looking to do a deal. So like we submitted two deals this year for tax credits in December, both our private sites. So we can submit those in December, get awarded in April and start construction in 2024. So that's really just a year and a half. Now, now we also responded to an RFP. So this RFP is due in September. They're not going to respond until like next year, January, which means we can't submit for tax credits until December 2023. And get awards in 2024 with construction in 2025. So you can kind of see yeah. the different timelines between when you're dealing with a city RFP versus just a, a city site just sitting or a private site. But uh, yeah, so that's our first deal under construction. Pretty excited about that. And that has about 13 units set aside for people experiencing far supportive housing. So people experiencing chronic you know, disease or intellectual development disabilities. So pretty excited about that. And another project we won that same year, won that in, I think, June of 2020. Was with General Capital Group, about $26 million deal for 91 units in a 2,500-square-foot demonstration kitchen. We call it the Food Accelerator, which is meant to train existing you know, food entrepreneurs how to cook in a commercial setting. 
and even a uh, place for our residents to use to train our residents how to, you know, cook healthy food for the community garden, you know, grow, you know, healthy food for the community garden, and then cook it in a food accelerator. And, you know, we have so many different partners with that project in terms of who helping us with the program and with the food accelerator. We got the culinary schools, we got the kitchen equipment providers that are donating equipment. So then we got all these other organizations that's around food that want to help with the programming of it. So it's really pretty exciting uh, that how we was able to have so many different partners to help with the programming for, for the food accelerator. So really excited about that. And what's even more unique about this project, both projects are going to have an impact, but this is just like more of a, a wealthier neighborhood. You know, it's called the, it's in the Lower East Side, the West neighborhood. And that neighborhood is, you know, it's more so not just like a really it's not really just like a, a black community, like if you will, like with the other project. But this one is like, let's say, you know, it's my, maybe about a mile and a half on the lake. And it's really, you know, one of these higher income communities. So it's they all accepted it. You know, we had maybe one person who said they were unassured. Like, you know, we had like, you know, city hearings and stuff like that. We had like 44 people come out. You know, it's all virtual. And only one person was unsure. Other than that, all 33 people were actually excited to see this move forward. So uh, that's maybe back like in March or April or something like that. We had that last city hearing, but that was pretty exciting just to, you know, have a community like that come out and support an affordable housing project. Because you know, sometimes you hear affordable housing, they assume, assume Section 8. And that's wrong with Section 8, but they just assume that, oh, nobody pays their rent here. Government pays the rent. You know, and that's not really the case when it comes to, you know, really affordable housing. And another project we currently have under construction is an adaptive reuse. This is strictly supportive housing. So all units will be set aside for people experiencing chronic illness and disease. And that should be done maybe like January, February. Again, we found like an existing building last year. That should be an old medical center and then converted into 29 one-bedroom apartments. So that's pretty exciting. Then like I said, we got two other projects that we're gearing up for where Realistically, we're not going to be in construction with those until probably like, like you know, February. Because it just makes sense. Because by the time we close and everything, it don't make sense to start construction in December because we're going to be open in December. You know, in Wisconsin, then with all that snow, probably just be a bad time to start leasing. So we're going to really hold those projects off until like March of next year. So one of them would be an adaptive reuse. 40 units and 20 units would be set aside for, for crisis beds so people experiencing homelessness. And other 20 units would be for uh, folks with chronic illness. And then the other one would be new construction here in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, about 50 miles, 60 miles north of Milwaukee. So pretty excited about these two projects. And then like I said we got some other stuff in the pipeline as well that we're seeking to submit for tax credits for the following year. Yeah. The one thing that's that's really good, again, about the tax credit real estate development is that you get to do a lot of good within the community. And a lot of times your sites are awarded based off of the good that you do in the community and being able to bridge the gap on different resources or providing opportunities, whether it's, you know, adding retail opportunities to an area that doesn't have any retail or maybe bringing a grocer to a food desert or just having housing housing that's dedicated to a specific demographic with that that the state has attention on you know fixing the problem so tax credits are a really good way to have that what i call a double bottom eye impact which is a double bottom eye investment which is income and impact so those are some really good projects. So let me ask you a question. You've had an interesting journey from your trials and tribulations, getting into the real estate space, transitioning, getting into real estate development. If you were to start this marathon all over again, you know, what would you do differently that would contribute to your success? Man, like, man, it was, it was like 15 years ago. It was just the thought about it, like just where we you know be at now. And I'm sure everybody can attest to that. And one thing I definitely would have done differently is learn more about like sales in general. Cause this all as a day is really selling, right? You selling to the 
house agency, you sell into the, the municipality, you know, the lenders, other potential, like, you know, funders, like these foundations, and really being able to really hone in on just, you know, building up our sales skill. It's really all about the story. Numbers is just the numbers. It's really all about the story and how can you convey that this is a win for you, you know, not this ain't win for us. How do we, how do we convey this win to you? And that's something that we're, you know, we still work on and, and try to figure out and really just want to hire somebody for that who just, they all they do is just those re- communications and relations for you, you know. It's people who really are pros at that because sometimes I know I'm probably not the best. I just come out and just talk like how I talk, like, you know. So I know sometimes I'm probably not the best at communicating, you know, things or maybe just the facts, right? I can probably communicate the facts, you know, in terms of numbers, schedule, what we need from you guys. But there's other people like on our team, like my co-principal, uh, Jamie Gray, uh, who's the G and KG, or Laquanja, who's our government relations folks. They can tell a story well. Like, if it's like 10 people involved, they can bring all 10 people together and how they all, you know, really impact this development. But that's one thing I would do differently is sales, is really learn, like, how do I, you know, sell somebody? And I said it's only like I'm trying to, like, trick you into something. But yeah, yeah, but how do you how do you move someone emotionally to a state yes. where they're able to, to make a decision? I think everything in life is a sale, from getting a job to having someone invest with you on a project. You know, people do things with emotion and then justify them with logic, right? So being able to convey your story, I mean, that's all real estate is about. That's, that's what we're in this business for, too, right, is to paint the story that this investment here is going to impact the community or this investment here is going to get you to financial freedom and being able to just tell that story and share it in a way that's unique in a way that is receptive to the person that you're telling is truly an unhidden skill that people need to like pay attention to in all aspects of life. So I I totally 100% agree with you on that. So if someone, if our listeners are interested in following you, maybe interested in investing with you or just following up with, with some of the things that you've have talked about on the show today, you know, how can our listeners get in touch with you moving forward? Thank you, Yannick. Yes, definitely. Uh, I said the two probably best ways to really get in touch is either through LinkedIn. It's just my name, Anthony Casey, or if you type in the intentional developer, it should pop up or even uh, on Instagram, the intentional developer. That was like, I'm, I always take messages, you know, DMs on Instagram and always checking my messages on LinkedIn. Cause, and if you're not on LinkedIn, you definitely have to be on LinkedIn. Like I'm, I'm always reaching out to people on LinkedIn, like that's in affordable housing or that's just in finance or that's just doing anything that I just think that's something that we need to know or something that I Honestly, might help do what you know help us trying to do what we're trying to do so man definitely linkedin is a powerful tool and uh definitely like i said you can reach me on there for sure and i said if you don't have one please get it and man like we literally built the network just through linkedin yeah. <laughs> like literally yeah definitely a powerful community so thanks anthony for being on the show thank you for our listeners today for tuning in to the mogul marathon real estate podcast we talked about tax credits how to get into real estate development utilizing grants just overall a strategy, which I think was positioned well by you on how someone could get into real estate development today, but also utilizing the tax credit methodology. So again, yes. thanks for being on the show. Thank you to the listeners for tuning into today's episode of the Mogul Marathon Real Estate Podcast. Remember, real estate is a marathon, not a sprint. Run your own race. Uh, thank you. No, you spot on. Yeah, they, though, you ain't lying. I'm going to add this one piece while you said that. Like, so we have office in Vegas now. And actually, you know, uh, responded to an RFP and partnered with somebody else on another project. I said a couple of folks like who are, you know, partnering with us on this RFP. Guys, this is not no six month, nine month, a year thing. So I want you guys to think that we're, you know, 
playing around or not taking this stuff seriously. Like, this stuff takes time. Like, man, we propose something today. We probably not going to be in construction to another year, year and a half, two years, just depending on all the different tools. Or, you know, like I said, your site can be zoned, not zoned. Your site can be dirty. You got to, you know, deal with that, you know. So I tell folks, man, listen, like, if you, if you want to be a developer, man, you have to have patience. And I, I keep this card in front of me. Every day, you know, at my house, and it says, "Pace also a form of action." You really have to have patience, man, in development. Yeah, you really yeah, have to have patience. It's, even market rate deals take time. Yeah, totally. Development is not something like acquisitions where you get that cash flow going in. You know, it takes time to go through the due diligence process. Maybe, you know, um, entitlements and all that stuff takes an extreme amount of time, depending on the difficulty behind the site. But it's just a long process. So definitely a great depiction of the marathon, not a sprint. So <laughs> thanks again, Anthony, for being on the I show today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.